We have a great and glorious God, and tonight we're going to see that again. One of England's most enduring legends involves the Danish king uh, Canute, who ruled Britain from 1016 to 1035 A.D. He was such an imposing and successful king that never-ending praises were rendered to him. His court gentlemen were afraid to mutter anything to him but flatteries, and he grew really tired of it. One day in the year 1032, he took his entire court down to the coast uh, at Northampton, and he made them bring his throne with them. And he placed the throne uh, in the sand on the beach. And as the tide was coming in, uh, he asked his advisors who were standing around him, you think I am the mightiest of the mighty? And they said, oh, yes, your majesty. You think I can stop the tide from coming in? Oh, yes, your majesty. But it was a little more doubtful that time when they said it. Well, looking at the ocean breakers, um, he said, O sea, stay, come no further. I, Canute, ruler of the universe, command you. He's sitting in his throne. They're all around him. Uh, the tide continued to roll in until it was lapping at the feet of the men. It came to their knees. And then as the waves just about engulfed them, he got up and they all ran and swam to safety. He then said, you see how little I am obeyed. There is only one Lord over land and water, the Lord of the universe. It is to him and to him alone you should offer your praise. And he and his court walked back into town, went to the church, and he hung his crown in the church. Now, if that legend is true, that certainly does speak to the right perspective on God versus man. I'd like you to turn with me again to Exodus 14. We're going to do a review of a different perspective on the crossing of the Red Sea. And I'm going to just do that quickly, but I want us to get, again, a perspective on the great miracle that occurred. And then I want to go to the wonderful song of Moses in Exodus chapter 15. So if you'll turn with me to Exodus 14 first. I won't go through all the background. We talked about it last week. You had uh, God leading them in the wilderness, but not directly toward Palestine, not uh, toward uh, uh, to go around the sea. He brings them right up to the sea, boxed in by the mountains on two sides, and then, of course, the army coming down from Pharaoh as the Lord said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to come after you, and I'm going to... I'm going to glorify myself. And what God was doing, as I mentioned last week, was he was going to eliminate Egypt for good, and that was no longer a problem for Israel during the entire wilderness wanderings. They're uh, coming into uh, the land of Israel and claiming it at that time. It took a long time for Israel, or excuse me, Egypt to build back. And then uh, he makes uh, the people are all afraid and they're complaining and and uh, we went through all of that. But I want to look at verse 15. And what I want us to see his, here, and my focus here on this review of the Red Sea Crossing is to this time look at it from the standpoint of the glorious will of God. When we're in the will of God, folks, we see the majesty of our God. And I want to say that again. 
when we're in the will of God, we have an opportunity to see the majesty of God because God is going to do the great things that He has planned. When we are submissive to Him, trusting Him, He will then take us through whatever He puts in front of us and we can count on it. Many Christians never see the grace of God, the power of God, uh, the glory of God like they could. They may see it in other people's lives or maybe in the church that they're in, but they don't see it personally because they're not in the will of God. And so the will of God was very clear. Uh, to, uh, uh, was, uh, was given to them. And we read in verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. So God begins to now uh, give his very clear uh, instructions. And uh, folks, the will of God always takes a step of faith. It always goes against the flesh. There's always a risk with it. Each new step means you're stepping out on God's word being true, not what your experience or what everybody else says is true. You are believing that the spiritual is real and you are banking your life on it. Finances, how you handle your family, how you handle your business, priorities in your life, these things all take faith. And, and, and the Lord says here uh, to Israel, stop crying. Stop fussing about my will, basically, is what he's saying. Uh, get over your human fears and reactions. There's no need to ever cry out to the Lord when God's giving you clearly what you ought to do. Now, you may have to be honest with him. Lord, I'm scared to death, but I'm going to do your will. I've said that. Uh, I mean, I'm just honest. You know, on, prayers need to be honest. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm moving forward. And... Uh, I can't, uh, this is really, this is new territory for me, but I'm trusting you, and that's okay, but not to uh, say what those folks were saying, and uh, they had the very clear revealed word of God, and uh, it was for, uh, uh, for the glory of God. Let me read the verses here, verse 16, but lift thou up thy rod, God makes it very clear, and stretch out thine hand over the sea. And divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor. I will be glorified upon the most powerful man on earth, and upon all his hosts, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. The superpower was going to see that God rules. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, upon his horsemen. Is that fairly clear? Okay. The people didn't have any question. They shouldn't have any question about what God wanted. Now, folks, we have the written word of God. We have glorious clarity on what the will of God is for us. And then we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, which will personalize that will for our lives. And God will make it very clear. So we need to rest in God's will, that God's will is right. We need to be willing to follow the Word of God, follow the different leadership. Young people, you need to believe that God will use your parents. God will work uh, in your life. God is able to do great things if we will trust Him. 
And as we talked about, it was wonderful how the angel of the Lord came and instead of being in front of them, went behind them, bringing darkness to the Egyptian army and light to the uh, Israelites so that they could make that huge preparation for two million people to strike out when God told them to go. And so God is, is so wonderful. He, his presence gives us light. It gives us security. It gives us comfort. And that's why, folks, as much as the will of God at, in those initial stages may seem to be, wow, this is really something, the moment you step into God's will, you now have God's presence. You've got light. You've got clarity. There is a rest that comes to your heart. And God will protect you from the enemy. You know, when you're walking in the will of God, the world can't pull you down. The angel of the Lord was there. And then, this is such a blessing. They obeyed the will of God. Verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand, just like God told him to, over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And so the leadership obeyed. Now, you know, Moses is not superhuman. He's got two million people here. Now, he knows God's working, and he's gotten God's will, but still... You know, he's going to raise that, that rod again. And frankly, the Lord wasn't real specific about what was going to happen. And so he raises the rod over the sea. He probably had a good idea. But in front of everybody, he's having to trust the Lord because it wasn't his human leadership. It was his obedience and faith. And that mighty east wind came. What a marvelous thing. Can you imagine the pathway for two million people? Can you imagine how high those... Uh, walls were on both sides. You can see the picture there. Uh, it, it was probably even greater than that. It literally took your breath away. The power of God was manifested at that moment. And let me just say, dads, do what God has called you to do, and you will see the hand of God in your family. Mothers, do the will of God. Obey the word of God. All of us, as God tells us clearly what to do. That's that moment when, especially we're in leadership, you take that step. But not until you do that are you going to see God's deliverance. And what's wonderful, the same group that was belly aching, that's not in the Hebrew, but that's what they were doing, um, that group uh, followed. You say, well, obviously they should have followed. Have you ever walked through walls of Wall, a place with walls of water on both sides, but they followed. And as a result, they saw God work. And then they experience God's victory. Let me just read it again. 
And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, all, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord Jehovah fighteth for them against the Egyptians. They should have already known that. But their hearts were hardened, and they went into uh, that. But, you know, for a moment, I'm sure the Israelites that were on the back side of the whole group looked back, and here they come. Uh, you know, it seems like the world, even when we take steps of faith, is going to overcome us. But God steps in. That's why, folks, even with everything going on, it's no problem for God to step in. History is replete with God's interference. Uh, I've got to get that book available for you all. All the times that America prayed and God intervened. It's an absolutely amazing set of accounts just in our own country's history. When godly people prayed, God changed the course of nature to protect. God does that for, for uh, the work of God, for missionaries, for, the, for churches, and on it goes. God will step in, and he will protect us against Satan's onslaught. And, uh, and so continued victory, continued obedience, excuse me, will bring then the victory. They went all the way through. They followed the command of the Lord, and then when the world wanted to overtake them, <clears throat> God... Uh, Stop them by, in fact, God wanted them to experience a miracle beyond just the water coming back. Here were these mightiest war engines of, of the ancient world. All of a sudden, the wheels come off. And, that is, and in fact, you know, when the water finally came over, you have all these wheels uh, out on the shore. I mean, that was a total miracle. They saw God do something that was breathtaking. And so when you continue to believe God and stay in the will of God, that God will bring you, and I want you to get this, all the way through. All the way through. In fact, it'll be a lot better than you ever thought it would be. Folks, the will of God is never bad. Now, your flesh thinks so. And you may be a little faint-hearted as you step out, and uh, things may not be quite like you wanted them. But when you are trusting the Lord and obeying Him, and depending upon him and are willing to uh, surrender your life to him, you will come out on the other side saying, that was a whole lot better than I ever thought. You don't ever find folks that surrender to the Lord and just fully get engaged with walking with God ever complain about the will of God. I mean, he's so good. He's a father that gives gifts. I mean, he does abundantly above. It is just amazing. And you look at every little twist and turn in your life and you see God's hand. There's nothing like being in the will of God. And then if you'll trust the Lord, uh, the Lord will eliminate the pressure of the world. You begin to grow and have more and more insight, understanding, and victory in your own life. I won't read all the verses, but you know the God then... Uh, says to Moses, put your hand back over the Red Sea. The waters come back over. What a, an amazing sight that must have been. And the greatest army in the world was gone in a moment. God can do that. 
And uh, the people had seen it, and, and you look at uh, verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw that the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. They were different people. Now they had a lot to learn, but they now had a baseline of faith that God can conquer the enemy. All right, I went through that quickly. I, I wanted to look at it from the matter of the will of God. I want you to go now to chapter 15, which is the first two-thirds of it is the song of Moses. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we need to constantly praise the Lord for everything that He does as we surrender to his will and we need to have even songs in our heart that praise the Lord for his deliverance it ought to be on our soul there is music that's more majestic than I can even talk about in heaven today and my friends will be a part of it God himself sings what a moment that's going to be when we hear that well I, I always mention whenever I say that I've already I heard it tonight I heard the Holy Spirit singing through so many of you, so that's a, a blessing. But to hear his actual voice, my, what a moment that's going to be. But music is important, and praise is important. And you'll find this as one of the tools that God gives us to fully express our heart in regard to our faith in who God is and not then taking credit for what has happened ourselves but fully humbling ourselves before him and, and allowing him to go deep within us to develop what uh, is mentioned back in chapter 14, to fear the Lord, to have uh, belief in him, and to be able to trust that he will work in our lives. So I'm going to just overview this here, but I wanted to give the background again of 14, and I want us to look at this wonderful song. Uh, the first couple of verses glorify the Lord. C.H. Spurgeon says, It is always a token of revival, it is said, when uh, there is a revival of psalmody. Whitfield and John Wesley would never have done the great work they did if it had not been for Charles Wesley poetry and for the singing of such men as Top Lady Scott and Newton. When your heart is full of Christ, you will want to sing very interesting statement. We sang Charles Wesley tonight. Every time I hear one of his songs, that came out of revival. That came out of a mighty move of God that changed the uh, British Empire for years, saved it from what happened in the French Revolution. And uh, the Wesleys and others uh, saw God's hand. And right in the middle of that mighty move of God was praise for everything that God did, a joy on the hearts of folks and song in their hearts. So we need to glorify the Lord. Look with me at uh, verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake singing, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. They glorify the Lord for this victory. Now, this was immediately on the shore of the Red Sea. Now, that was quite a choir. 
two million people. <laughs> but that's the first thing Moses does. I'm telling you, folks, I want to encourage you, dads, leaders of homes, leaders of different aspects of ministry, when God does something, praise the Lord. Stop and praise the Lord. And, uh, and that's why we talk about what God has done. Uh, we need to just, just show that when we trust Him, God works. By the way, I'll, I'll, this isn't the thrust of the message, but you need to have music that the Spirit of God can use to appropriately praise the Lord. That's very important. And um, so we need to glorify the Lord, make Him gloriously glorious. He is above all else. Uh, he is the creator. He should be exalted in our lives. Who was the one that was originally created to cause the entire created world to come into the throne of God and praise him? Lucifer, who is now Satan. And uh, God has now given that role to us to praise his name the redeemed of the Lord. Folks, music is not all moral. It's either empowered by the God of this world or it is empowered by the Spirit of God. Please keep that. I'm talking about sacred, well, the secular music. Uh, some is a very appropriate. Some is definitely very much under Satan's control to keep people away from God. And so keep that in mind. Be discerning. There, there is a spiritual battle. And so it is important for us. Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. This is coming probably in the next years here. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses. Isn't that interesting? The servant of the Lord. And the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways. Thou King of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Oh, Egypt was gone in a moment. They will worship. That's, uh, they're going to fall before God whether they are redeemed or not. And the nations that are warring today, who think they're so powerful, in a moment when, the, when, the, when Christ comes back and the tribulation begins, they will fall on their faces. And uh, so we need to realize uh, the greatness of God, our God and we need to Secondly, acknowledge that that victory was of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to desire to lift him up in glory. And so here we see very clearly verse 2. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. 
Friends, never, never, never lose the awe of your salvation. You're no better than anyone else. You may not have sinned and gone through the wickedness that obviously God hates that some people have gone. Maybe you have had that in your background. But the fact is, we are all wretched. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would split hell wide open. Because we have offended a holy God. But he has saved us. He won the victory. He triumphed on the cross. He is the all-powerful, loving, merciful God that loves the entire world. And he has provided for us salvation. Folks, we ought to... We ought to glorify Him all the time. Your life should be filled with music. That's why I love the hour with God ends with singing. That is a really good thing to do. It's very biblical. And it's interesting there. It says, I will prepare Him in habitation. I will, as the idea of habitation, but also to beautify, to adorn. I will lift Him up in His glory. And then we need to Understand that we need to praise Him in a way that shows that we fear the Lord. Look at verse 3. God is a warrior. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. I tell you, the wrath of the Lamb. You read that in Revelation. It's very, very, I don't know the word is for it. It it really stirs you. Uh, God hates sin. And all that takes away people from having that relationship with him that he so desires and went to the cross to provide. And my friends, when God's omnipotent arm uh, is bared, that rod of iron, as Psalm 2 says, the nations will, will fall on their faces before him. He is a man of war. Now, friends, The God that you see in the Old Testament is the God that's on your side as a believer. Whom should I fear? The Bible says. We don't need to fear. He's already won the victory over Satan in the spiritual realm if we'll walk with the Lord. And so we need to realize God means what He says. Uh, He's not going to play around with sin and and all that is going on. And yet He's merciful and long-suffering, wonderful as you think of that. But he does fight for his own. He's on the side of, uh, of the spiritual battle. Uh, he will defeat uh, Satan. Second Chronicles 20:17 with Jehoshaphat, "Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be display, displayed, excuse me, dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with." So God will work. God is omnipotent. Look at verse 4. Pharaoh's chariots and his host as he cast in the sea. Remember they're singing this. Great chorus. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. He's omnipotent. That's what that means. Thy right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. The The power of God. Back in 1979, I've mentioned this before, they they picked up a burst of energy. They were able to measure. uh, And that burst of energy that lasted just for a few seconds was uh, 
I can't remember how, how much, but it was uh, multiple more, uh, 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 greater energy than the sun gives off. In fact, if the sun gave off that kind of energy, we would, the earth would be just evaporated. And that was just one little blip of energy. You know, it takes years for spacecraft to finally get out of the solar system, and then they enter into other galaxies and there are thousands, millions of galaxies. Folks, God is a powerful God. And he holds all things together by his power. One writer said, The greatest single distinguishing feature of the omnipotence of God is that our imagination gets lost when thinking about it. I just talked about the universe, and phew, you, you, you just can't keep up with it. So, why do we get so upset in our lives about the things that come across our way when we serve this great, mighty God? Uh, an eagle that soars high above the earth does not worry about how to cross a river. <laughs> he is trusting in the power of his wings, and we can trust in the power of God. Is there any river that is impassable, impossible? All, you've heard those songs. Folks, when we're in the will of God, that's why I wanted to start with that in chapter 14. God can open up the Red Sea. God will make a way through. God will give you wisdom. He will change the events of your life. When you trust Him, you have the Creator God on your side. Isn't it foolish not to be in the will of God? Your limited, very limited finite power plus Satan's influence in your life makes walking out of the will of God a disaster every time. But when you are, are in the um, will of God, it is a glorious thing. I could go on and on. God is omnipotent. Be thou exalted, Lord, Psalm 21, 13, in thine own strength. So will we sing and praise thy power. God has holy wrath. Look at verse 7. I've already alluded to this. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. What they did was they mocked and blasphemed God. O Lord, thou hast, uh, I'm sorry, uh, rose up against thee. Thou sendest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. This is what the people are singing. Do you think that was helping their faith to go over that? Uh, God was not happy with the hardness of the hearts of the Egyptians. God is in control of nature. Look at verse 8, and they're singing again about this. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, you have uh, uh, just almost staccato phrases. You can just see the passion and the anger and the, and the desire of those Egyptians. And they were going to overcome God and overcome the people of God. And God just goes, doink. I don't mean to trivialize it, but that's really, from God's standpoint, that's what it was. 
You have this great uh, uh, just uh, statements from these men that were warriors about what they were going to do, and all God does to do is, and it's done. And uh, so we need to not allow ourselves uh, to be overwhelmed by the things that people say. Now, let me just say, around the world, throughout the church age, and right now around the world, there are people in prison for the cause of Christ. There are people suffering, and there's a lot of them. But if they were to give testimony, they would tell you, as they look to the Lord, they realize the all-powerful God is on their side. And if he wants to, he can change the equation, and they're yielded to what, whatever. I, you read the accounts of the suffering of folks for Christ, the deep peace and the sense of strength that they had was an unbelievable miracle. And so often God did deliver, and whenever he didn't, he had a purpose that was greater, and God did a mighty work because of it. God's omnipotence is seen. Right now we have more persecution in the world than has ever been in the history of the world. Far greater than what the early church faced. Far greater what happened under the Roman Empire. And don't you feel it here in America and Canada? There is an anger against anyone that will go against the moral revolution. Anyone that's going to stand for the word of God. And yet there are restraints within our culture. But I'm telling you, uh, there is that same kind of feeling as you see here with uh, uh, the Egyptians coming after the, the people of God. But my friends, God's on the throne. He can rearrange things. And I, he has done it over and over and over. The key is that we've got to be in the will of God. And then God will give us uh, a real strength in our soul. And so we need to trust the Lord, very simply. His attributes, who is like unto thee, verse 11, O Lord among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed him. He's majestic, his attributes, he's majestic in his holiness, he's awesome in his glory, he works wonders. Uh, you can just go on and on. There when the Lord passed by uh, Moses, when they were down at Sinai, Exodus 34, 6, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. And on it goes. Here you see the attributes. What did we do tonight? We sang, the choir did, holy, holy, holy. Now that's important to do. If you were listening at all with an open heart, didn't that simple song stir you? The holiness of God. See, listen, you can have oratory, but there's something about singing that takes those truths and goes deep within our hearts. There's nothing like Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I don't know how many times as I've stood there, I've had tears in my eyes or had the privilege of singing it. And you realize there around the throne, all of the hosts there are, are speak, singing the great uh, attributes of our God. We, listen, 
you will find that God will just strengthen your life if you constantly have the right kind of song on your heart and you praise him for who he is. He works wonders. We still live in an age in which God does miracles. You heard about that this morning. God is ready to work. And we are supposed to see greater works than Christ did. But we're just not walking with God like we should. Our lives and our ministries ought to speak volumes about the greatness of our God. That's why you've got to be in the will of God. And his promises, look at verse 13. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength under the holy habitation. And he goes on and he makes a promise that the inhabitants of Palestine are going to be afraid. The Edomites and the Moabites and the Canaanites and fear and dread, verse 16, shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm shall they be as still as stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till thy people pass over which thou hast proclaimed. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, where thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. And let me ask you, did that prophecy come true? Yes, every one of those peoples uh, God overcame. And they took the land as God had promised. They saw wonders and God fulfilled his promises. And every promise that we have in the word of God that applies to us, we can uh, truly uh, trust him. And uh, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. And then you have Miriam the prophetess, which was the sister of Moses. Remember how she watched over Moses and one that talked to Hatshepsut, the daughter of Pharaoh. And uh, she now leads the women in a response of praise to the Lord. Sing ye to the Lord, verse 21. For he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So I want us to just tonight realize that, and this is my conclusion to the two chapters. I've had to go quickly because there's a lot of scripture there. But when you're in the will of God, you will have God show forth who he is. And he will defend, he will work, he will deliver, he will do miracles. And you will want to praise him. If you don't have a heart to sing, and you don't have a heart to praise him, could I suggest you may not be in the will of God tonight? Person who's in the will of God sees God everywhere. Person who's not in the will of God feels God's convicting pressure. And uh, is feeling like Christianity is a hard thing. But a Christian who's walking in the will of God sees the Red Sea divide. Sees God in a totally different light. Has liberty in their soul. So one of the fruit, uh, excuse me, one of the evidences of the filling of the Spirit, uh, verse uh, 19 there in Ephesians 5, is singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. The evidence that you're filled with the Spirit is that you are constantly praising God and singing from your heart to the Lord. The will of God's a precious thing. Let's bow for prayer.